Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 508 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains and the Senators laid an egg last night in South Florida. But the good news, Pilsy, is they've got a back-to-back to get ready for starting tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully they do better out west than they did down south in Florida. Tampa and Florida Panthers did not go the way the Sens wanted, but... A matchup up against Arizona and Vegas hopefully can go better for them. And Ross, the Belleville Sens, they also have a back-to-back up against the Rochester Americans. So you're telling me we can flush that Panthers game pretty quick because we got a lot to preview. Two struggling NHL teams, Ottawa a chance to get back in the win column. Ottawa only with three wins in their last 11 games. So we've got all that plus friend of the show, Tyler Ray at Defense Minister on Twitter. We're going to talk a little free agency and off season. This is the Locked On Senator Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, March 4th in Pilsy. I don't want Anton Forsberg to listen to this, but anybody else on the team, that was not their best performance. Yeah, uh, overall, not a great team effort there. I mean, I I will give some stick taps off the bat to Connor Brown. Sure, he didn't score on any of the three shorthanded breakaways he got, but when you have nine penalties to kill and you get three shorthanded breakaways, at least you're clearing the puck and getting it out of your own zone. So you got to tip your hat to that. So why did the Senators... Go on the PK nine separate times. I mean, we're not going to fully get into the refs here, but the refing was a little bit of an issue. And yeah, if you want to know if the refs were an issue, Austin Watson can let you know pretty clearly. (laughs) Yes, he made his thoughts known at the end of this one after he got a 10-minute misconduct. Parker Kelly got a 10-minute misconduct for barely doing anything. I watched the replay, and he got tossed before even saying a word so a lot of people thought oh maybe he said something to ref and that's obviously a way to get kicked out of a game but it almost looked like they were throwing him out for asking Montour if he wanted to fight and Montour hit him with a, a reverse hit earlier in the game yep. was that Montour yeah yeah, it was so yep. at that point he's probably like hey like do you, do you want to actually like face me and go man to man so I don't know if that's worthy of getting kicked out but at that point the refs had already lost the plot of the game. It was already de- deteriorating into a debacle, yes. as Ray Ferrero once said. And the Senators clearly frustrated that they couldn't get anything out ongoing. This was the third worst shot differential, Pilsy, in a Senators game in franchise history. They were outshot by 30. The shots were 48 to 18 in this one. So you can understand the sense of frustration, especially coming off a tough loss in Tampa as well. Yeah, and I mean, the Sens were outshot 25-7 to in the first. They had two different stretches where they went 10 minutes without a shot. Like, Florida put on an absolute clinic. There's no other way around this, Ross. The slot shots broke 
a record. It yes. was like 30 slot shots. Like 32. Don't don't take away from Forzy who made 29 saves on slot shots. By far the most this year. That's insane. Like to, to have 30 shots just in general in a game is solid. And then to put all 30 shots into dangerous scoring areas when you have some of the most elite offensive talents in the game, it's incredible that Forsberg was able to hold this game to one nothing as long as he did. And I mean, the goals the Panthers scored, it wasn't like we're watching on uh, SportsCenter. Wow, what a beauty by Barkov here or something. It's a garbage goal by Lomberg. And like, they're just, they're not highlight real goals. So Anton Forsberg really deserves a lot of credit here. I mean, this is, I would say, Ross, this might have even been a better performance than the home opener. Like right up there, like these... 40-plus save performances that he's able to pull out uh, just randomly up against contending teams is pretty impressive. And I can't believe we didn't really talk about this, but I think the Florida Panthers may be one of the top teams that would make a lot of sense to acquire Anton Forsberg because it doesn't cost them a lot. He's a rental. They know they've got Spencer Knight meriting in the AHL, and he is going to be ready soon. He's not ready this year as the Sens pumped eight on him uh, in the past, but... Jonas Johansson is probably, as the Colorado Avalanche can let the Florida Panthers know, he's not the guy you want to rely on. So Not that guy, pal. He's not that guy, pal. Exactly. So if you're Florida, you just got a first-class, first-hand showing of what Anton Forsberg could do if Sergei Bobrovsky needs some relief or if, obviously, you don't want it to happen, but if you got injured, then you've got a guy that can step in and play like a number one in the short-term uh, time period here. So I think Florida definitely got a good viewing, and they should be interested in looking at Anton Forsberg. Pilsy, get this weird stat alert, very weird stat alert. And I need to do a little more addition here. So I'm going to let you react to the first part of it. And then I'm going to figure out the exact numbers. In games where Anton Forsberg has made 33 or more saves this year, he is 7, 1, and 2, including 4 and 1 in games where he has 40 or more shots against isn't that absolutely incredible his first game and that's a sample size of nine games last night was his first game making 33 or more saves and losing wow that's 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 craig anderson-esque i know yeah that's that's perfect uh sensing style goaltending there and hey you know what maybe it wouldn't work anton forsberg going to a contender like if he's only getting 20 shots he's not warmed up and it's not working out for him yeah, he's four and eight when he makes under 30 saves. Yeah, so that's a guy that needs to feel the puck. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And if you look just recently, like this guy has been on a whole other level. He's got to be, I mean, a 938 save percentage in last Saints game might be the most incredible stat we've seen all year. <laughs> I'll say the one game where I think was was better. And the you Carolina said one. This game, exactly. Yeah. The Carolina game was absolutely insane. Um, on the second half back-to-back, they were just getting absolutely dominated and the columbus game as well one goal on 36 shots as well in forsberg's last 10 games he's looking at a 934 save percentage if you want to rewind it further to the let's go to the tampa game where he had the shutout 931 in the last 16 games so this guy he's clearly making name for himself but at the same time you're like okay i know that we've been burned before here with condon with hammond etc even nielsen but of course that's not really his fault getting uh getting the concussion issues. I thought he was a good goalie, but it just, it scares me to extend him. And you know that, and why wouldn't Forsberg want and deserve a three-year contract? It seems like that's 
makes sense for his agent. Yeah, I don't see Forsberg, especially he's got young kids now. He's bounced around the league like crazy. I don't see him going for a big dollar amount here. He's going to be going for security and a longer term deal. And if you're the Sens, like you got to be looking at this and you got to sell him at a high point. I mean, you got him at a low point, a waiver wire pickup. It's free money. And now you just rhymed off those stats. They're absolutely incredible. And don't think he's not going to pull up those stats when it comes time to negotiate a contract. And like we talked about, he's going to be wanting a couple of years. I don't think that's a scenario the Sens can get into. So I think the writing's on the wall. You got to trade him at a high point uh, at this time of the season. There's no better time for this to work out for Forsberg and for the Sens. And we'd love to keep him because he's playing amazing. But I think it's time to move on and sell at a high point. Here's a hot take. Keep Forsberg, trade Gus. <laughs> I I mean, are we talking about what we want or what we think the Sens will do? The Sens no, what will I want. literally never do that. I mean, they protected Gustafson in the expansion draft and we're okay with losing oh, Joe. I, I, yeah, I know. And I still disagree with that. Yeah, that's you can disagree, but I'm just saying that I don't even think that option is on the table for them. Oh no, it's not. It's yeah. not. That's just that's just me being a little bit of a hothead after a, a loss and seeing what Forsberg's been able to accomplish over such a long period. They they protected Gus based on a 10 game sample size last year. Yeah, I mean you're just seeing an 18 game sample size of pretty friggin' good hockey from Anton Forsberg, and it's not like he's over 30. Like he's he's 29 years old. That's how old Ottawa. That's how old Craig Anderson was when he got to Ottawa. Yeah, if not even thirty. So, uh, I, I'm really in a pickle. I, I don't envy the uh, Sens front office for having to make this decision because if they trade Forsberg, Forsberg continues to play like this, and then Gus never pans out. And of course, we're cheering for him to pan out. But if he doesn't, this could be one where you look back and you're like, I don't know. It's certainly not going to be the same as the Mark Stone trade, but we got into that a lot more last night on the postcast. Yeah. But you talk about the goals, just bang away garbage goals. Well, 26 was getting a stick caught up and, and couldn't clear the crease there uh, on the final goal. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't I don't want to beat a dead horse here at this point, but um, he certainly is over the last month had opportunity. So that conversation can't happen anymore. It's it just the opportunity conversation for Branstrom has to be over. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, obviously, he's getting a big chance here. I still would would have loved to see what he could do in a longer stretch, but with, with COVID canceling games and those opportunities just aren't quite there. Like, if we could see him a full 60 game at least season, I think that'd be a big help, but that's not going to happen. And even if we did... I'm not fully confident that he would he would wow us in that scenario. And and I'll repeat it once again. I I know you've kind of soured on this, but I still think it's not going to work out with Branson and the Senators. But I think if he moves on, he can find success somewhere. But I think it ever you got to look in the mirror if you're the Sens and if you're Eric Branson and say it's just not going to work out here. I I don't even know if I believe that anymore. I'm seeing a lot of Victor Mete in Eric Branson and. Say what you want about Mete. I mean, he's he's a third pair defenseman, but anyways, that's but one uh, advantage Mete has had, though, just to quickly put it on there, is he's been able to play those four seasons, right? Yep. So, and if you're a young defenseman trying to figure out your game in the NHL, it can't be understated how important that is to get uh, a long stay opportunity there. And we can list op- or excuses and uh, realities for Branstrom all day long, but he just hasn't had that chance. So. Whether he would perform the same or would be developing on the same curve or better, it's impossible to really say. 
That's fair. Fair point as well. Now, the, I think what's really disappointing, though, is he played three minutes less per game last year, but certainly made more impact. Like he, he, he would probably admit that too. He was a more impactful player last year than he is this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of players on the Sens team could say that about that final stretch where things were just mm-hmm. clicking for everyone, especially Eric Branstrom. Yeah, 100%. All right, well, Branstrom, we assume and hope he'll be in the lineup tomorrow when they take on Arizona as well. Now, we'll get into that preview later on in the game. We've got Tyler Ray coming up to talk a little more offseason and certainly we'll ask his opinion of Eric Branstrom, the king of the thread on Twitter, at Defense Minister. But, Pilsy, we got some exciting news tonight on TSN 5. We're going to get to see Tyler Boucher. Yep. Mark, my thoughts on the broadcast. They're playing the Hamilton Bulldogs, a team that just beat them last weekend, and they've got Mason McTavish. So talk about two top 10 picks going head-to-head tonight. What kind of challenge do you think that presents for Boucher? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big challenge for him, and especially I mean, with McTavish, we've seen what he can do in a big stage. Like, he's able to perform, and so being down in junior, he's going to dominate the way he has. So Tyler Boucher definitely is going to have his work cut out for them, especially if this game ramps up physically. Yep, I would like to see it. Talk about physically. Just go back quickly. I'm just seeing a report coming out, Darren Dreger, that uh, NHL Hockey Operations is looking at Austin Watson's tirade, as he called it, against the official. And uh, at least he got his money's worth if he got fined because he certainly let the refs know how he was feeling on that. And if you want to hear more about that incident and the game, you can go listen to the postcast wherever you get your podcast because we're on to the weekend, Pilsy, in the words of Bill Belichick. We're on to the next one because the Senators have two games coming up and so do the Belleville Sens. So let's get into a preview of both those games right after we get to Tyler Ray and a word from one of our favorite sponsors, Pilsy. All right. Yeah, it's one of our favorite sponsors, a longtime sponsor, one of my personal favorites. It's Built Bar. You guys know I love Built Bars, and I think you will too, because look, we're rolling into March now. So, New Year's resolutions, if you haven't stuck with it, it may not work, but a resolution you can stick to and I can stick to is eating delicious, healthy protein bars from Built Bar. And they got a lot of stuff. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs, it's like marshmallow in protein-infused marshmallows. So you get the good and the bad, fluffy, marshmallowy. The reason Built Bar is so successful is because they work on making the flavor taste good and then figure out how to make it healthy. So you can enjoy that candy bar flavor while enjoying that protein bar benefit. Guys, it's low-calorie, high-protein. Replace those junk candy bars with these delicious better for you built bars go to built.com scroll down all the way down and you can check out all the flavors all the options they have i guarantee you're gonna love them so if you're a loyal listener of locked on senators podcast you know we're gonna hook you up with the promo code we got you so type in promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order at built bar one more time guys at built.com Lock 15, promo code for 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy, before we get to the interview, or more so just a chat, it's a friend of the show coming on to talk about the offseason. Let's go through the Sens prospects this weekend. Now, I put out a tweet at Sens Central. Of course, we'd appreciate it if you go give us a follow there and subscribe onto our YouTube channel, but... Ridley Gregg just continues to amaze, man. He's got back-to-back games this weekend. He went toe-to-toe with Connor Bedard um, the other night. Connor Bedard, who looks up to him. Remember, he compared Ridley Gregg skating to Jack Eichel. Decent comparable there. Ottawa will actually see Jack Eichel this weekend 
for the first time as a Golden Knight. But Ridley Gregg had two assists. So did in that game, Connor Bedard. But during an eight-game point streak right now, Ridley Gregg has 15 points. Almost two per game. Now, somebody, a hater, could say, well, only two goals. Well, they're both game winners. So at least <laughs> when he's scoring, it matters. And then I also looked it up. So since the since the World Juniors, he's played 16 games. The only game he doesn't have a point is the one I went to in Winnipeg. Everybody, make sure you're tweeting at Ross. Do not go see uh, Ridley Gregg. Do not mush him and uh, and ruin Brandon's chances of getting to the playoffs because we need to see Ridley Gregg in playoff hockey. So what I was getting at there in the seven games before, so the, the point streaks were broken up by that one game. In the seven games before, he had seven goals. So don't worry about the lack of goal scoring. He's got that in spades. But 15 points. 38 shots on goal, Pilsy, in his last eight games, plus six, 23 penalty minutes as well. And if you want to see a breakdown of how all the Sens 2020 draft picks have done since being selected by Ottawa, you can go check it out. I made a very high-quality graph on <laughs> on uh, our Twitter page. Maybe I should pull it up here real quick just so people can see if they're watching on YouTube. A little incentive to join the show on YouTube, Pilsy. I just want to take away – or I want to get – what your biggest takeaway is from this group? Well, I mean, first off, you love seeing that a lot of these guys are having success when there's a lot of doubters saying that they wouldn't have success. Like pretty much everyone is yeah, doing. Except I looked it up. Corey Prodman with uh, the Athletic, he gave them an A plus. Really? Yeah. An A plus. Yeah, and then he didn't wow. answer our, our message to come on the show. So I don't know. I guess that's why we focus on the negative from. Uh, from the athletic because the other guy had him. Yeah, we got to hear both sides. Yeah, exactly. I would say the thing that stands out to me most has to be Ridley Gregg. We knew he would dominate in the WHL, but what he's able to do, like you talked about it, if he's not scoring goals, he's getting a lot of assists. And when he is scoring goals, he's coming up clutch, just like a leader should do. Always pissing people off. I mean, yeah, that was also a guarantee. Him dominating and pissing people off definitely was going to happen. And I think... You, you got to give it to Tyler Clevin too. Sure, the points don't pop out at you, but a real Nodak Sens fan will know that he's been without Jake Sanderson for a long time here, and he's been pulling his weight and yep. really elevating his game and helping Nodak. There's no there's no blip in the radar for them without Jake Sanderson. They're still chugging along, and that's a big reason why they're they've got the momentum to have success coming up here. I actually added plus minus just for Tyler Clevin. That's why I added that entire one. He, le- <laughs> he leads North Dakota in plus minus this year. So I wow. think that that has to be noted. If there was hits category as well, he'd be number one on that as well. Pilsy, what stands out most for me, how about Igor almost at a th- uh, like a 35-goal pace here as he's played 72 games and has 29 goals at the AHL level right after the draft? Like To me, that really stands out. And how about their last pick, Cole Reinhardt, 30 points in 77 AHL games. Like, I understand the later round picks are all just like crapshoots. So why not get somebody who can step right into the organization? You know that what you liked with him is his speed and his tenacity. But to be able to insert a guy right into the organization from the draft, and yes, he was an overager, but I absolutely love seeing the points coming from, from down there. And Levy Marilina, and now I know that, the Finnish Junior League, maybe not the strongest, but 45 wins in 61 games since he was drafted between Kingston and last year in Finland. Like, that's a pretty disgusting record. Now, I couldn't find 
um, a combined save percent, like what, how many saves he had. He had a 930 save percentage in Finland and an 888 here. So I just put it's approximately 910, and I did those just off the top of the hand, but he does have eight shutouts. So lots to jump out. Like Roby, youngest player in Liga, or one of, then youngest player in the AHL, and he's still clicking at over a half a point a game. So there's there's a lot to like, and we haven't even touched on the fact that their, their first picks already played over 100 NHL games and that their second pick would have been in the running for the Hobie Baker if he didn't miss so much time. So I had to get that in there. It's a Friday show. We're probably going to go long today. Shocker. But now let's get to our friend of the show. Here's Tyler Ray at Defense Minister. All right. We now welcome back a friend of the show to the program. It's Tyler Ray. You can follow him on Twitter at Defense Minister. And we're going to take a peek ahead at the upcoming free agent group. And that also becomes relevant when you think we're only less than three weeks away from the trade deadline. But first, Tyler, welcome back to the show, man. And congratulations. You had some exciting life news since we last had you on. That's right. I uh, I found my way. I found someone lucky enough to uh, become my uh, my wife. So, oh, um, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's a, it's nice to be on the show because it was a Twitter relationship to start with and it's a hockey relationship. So it all ties in together. Beautiful. You yes. got a ring before the sense. Yeah, well, sad. It was touch and go for a while, but uh, <laughs> yes. So a hockey relationship. Is she a Sens fan as well? Or how did that all come so together? I'm working on her because she is yeah. a Bruins fan. Oh, uh, okay. And so <laughs> we we have to compromise sometimes. But uh, I will say that uh, she knows the team a lot better now than she did before. And uh, yeah, we we have a lot of fun with Brady and I think she's, she's very much uh, a huge fan of him. So it's been fun to bring her into the fold and, and also to, to get her up on all the sense memes and sense Twitter, uh, the personalities as well. So that's it's exciting to be able to share my life in so many ways. And you always have 2017 over the Bruins. (laughs) I I try not to bring that up because, uh, (laughs) I, I want things to go smoothly uh, yeah. in my day-to-day life. So that's that's a topic that uh, I only bring up if I have to. Yeah, Dennis Bonvi almost punched us through the computer screen when we brought it up, and he was only a scout for the team. I can't imagine <laughs> a hardcore fan what they'd do. Pilsy, what do you want to start with, uh, Tyler? Well, yeah, we're getting up to the deadline here. We all know the unrestricted free agents that are possible trade chips, but we put this question out, and I want to get your opinion on this, uh, Tyler. Which is a bigger trade chip for the Ottawa Senators, do you think? Is it Anton Forsberg or, we don't like talking about it, but is it Nick Paul? It's a good question, especially now, because, you know, if we talked about this a month ago or, or uh, you know, uh, uh, earlier in the season, Forsberg wouldn't even be in the conversation, right? Uh, it, his play of late has certainly uh, elevated him, I think. But what I'm always going to come back to is, is goalie markets uh, for trades – uh, even if you've got a good goalie, uh, it, for whatever reason, it, it's it's not the same as it is for for skaters. And so, I think Forsberg, if you put him out there, uh, you wouldn't have a problem dealing him. But in terms of the return, uh, I feel like you you won't get back you know what you potentially think he's he's worth. Whereas with Paul, I think nothing's really changed there as far as the type of player he is and the, and the yeah. type of value that he has around the league. Um, so it, that that's a better trade piece. Um, and I think, but I also think both of them are, are valued around the, the league. So you wouldn't have an, uh, an issue trading both either of them. 
Yeah, when it comes to Anton Forsberg, he's obviously a, a level up from the goalies, maybe even two levels up from the goalies who have been on the move. But there's been five goalies traded since December 14th, and four of them were traded for future considerations. And Andrew Hammond is the other one to give you a sense yeah. of kind of what guys are going for. And of course, with Anton Forsberg, there's been a long sample size this year of him. We just finished talking about the numbers and how they they're glowing, not only in the sample size, but when he faces more shots, he's that much better. Last night was his first loss when having more than 33 saves. And he's had seven of those games this year so far. So when you look at what kind of value, understanding maybe the mitigation that a goaltender would have, what do you think Sens fans should be content with if they get a pick or a prospect in return? Being content with, I think you, I think you want to set your expectations for the return. Um, it's, it's probably, I could think of get a third rounder for, I mean, maybe you get a yeah, second. Didn't it's David hard. Riddick go for a third rounder to the Leafs? Yeah, yeah, and that's something. Like, Felino went for a first, so Nick Paul's yeah. went for a first, second, and third. Then at the deadline, of it's Toronto. <laughs> Honestly, the Tatara trade package. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the trade deadline's weird every year because oftentimes it's just the market gets set at some point, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everyone has to follow that market. Yeah. And so if the, if there's a, a goalie that goes in the next week or two and gets a little bit higher return, and then all of a sudden Forsberg becomes that much more valuable. I think that guy is Mark Andre Fleury, right? I yeah. think teams that are going for a goalie and are serious about it are going to go for flurry. And then once flurry's traded, that's going to set the market like you're talking about. And now Forsberg's the top dog. Yeah, exactly. And like, it all depends. I don't even know if the team's set on trading him either. Right. So I, I think to them, the value of the returns, not as important as, is this guy here next year or not? Yep. And then that's the determinant. Then they'll take whatever they can get. If the, if the decision is we, we, aren't going to bring him back then uh you know if if all they can get for him is a fourth round pick they'll probably get a fourth round pick so it's it's uh i think you know they have to figure out if they if they want him here or not because i don't think the return it's not going to be a thing where they like well we're going to lose out on this uh, you know it's high draft pick return or high prospect return that's coming from if we don't trade him now i think it's just you know is he come back or not? And if, if he is, let's get as much as we can for him. But the thing with Forsberg and Ross and I talked about this on the show today is we don't see him just doing this rental deal, like finishing out his contract and then signing another one year deal. He's got kids. He's been moved around. He's going to be going big for some, some term, right? So if you're the Ottawa senators, does that kind of make you hesitate and be like, hey, we've tried the rewarding backup goalies for short stints before, and that hasn't worked out for us. Do we just cash in on a waiver wire pickup and take a third or a fourth, like you're suggesting, and let them go? Or, hey, it's never worked before, but maybe it'll work this time. Let's <laughs> sign them to a three-year deal and give them over $2 million. Yeah, and that I, I hopefully they've they've had enough where they're not going to get burned again, and and they understand you know what what they want to do. The other consideration is how much you want to spend on goaltending next year, because, and whenever I talk about cents, it's not cap it, it's it's dollars, right? It's yes. that, that's <laughs> important to them. Matt Murray's making seven million next year. He's making eight million the year after that. So Forsberg, if he comes back, even if you you can get him to agree to a one year deal, it's not going to be a what he made this year. Nope. So you're going to add another, let's call it $2 million. I don't know what, what, what the ask is, but probably at least $2 million. Yep. On top of the seven, you're going to pay Matt Murray. And then you've got 
Goss on a one way as well. He's got the one way. And so even if he's not on a team, you're paying him, you know, a million dollars or or around that to play in the minors. And a team like this can't really afford to allocate (laughs) that much to one position, I feel like. So that might just take the decision away from them. Like I, I assume they've had contract discussions with him to this point. And if it's coming back like, hey, I'm not I'm not doing the deal that I did this this past summer, and nor should he, yep. then I think that might just make the decision for you. Worth noting though, Thomas Shabbat is making four million dollars in real money next year and his A V is up at eight. So you're looking yeah. at a guy who maybe you got a little more flexibility because your entire decor right now with four guys signed is $13 million in real money for next year. So there's that. And then, of course, the really curious thing, and this isn't a pending UFA, but what do you think happens with Nikita Zaitsev? Of course, he's got that Albatross signing bonus due on July Mm -hmm. 1st this year. Do you think that ramps up the pressure? Play aside, but for the Senators to finally realize that maybe moving on from him is the best play. Yeah, it, before Zaitsev, I'll just say, like, on the Shabbat thing, I noticed that too, right? He, mm-hmm. he drops down for whatever reason next year. He went from, he goes from seven to four, I think. Yeah. And then then jumps right back up the next year. Yeah. That's great. But then I looked. So Brady's going up two and a half million and Drake's going up a two million next year. So all, those savings are kind of offset by the raises yeah. they're given other guys. But um, yeah, as far as Zaitsev goes, I think if it was, if we didn't have to deal with that signing bonus, just knowing how the team feels about him, how the coach feels about him, I would say, yeah, he's, I don't, they don't really care about how the fans feel or how outside feelings, like he's, he's here. But the fact that that signing bonus there, the sense, we know how they feel about signing bonuses. He's uh, the only, he's the only signing bonus on the entire yeah. cap friendly. And that's because was, they didn't give it to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Outside they of occasionally entry level. trade for players that have signing bonuses but they will not actually give them themselves. And usually the guys they trade for, uh, they'll work it so that the bonus is paid <laughs> before yeah. they do the trade. So they're not the ones doing it. And Zaitsev had that weird contract because it was a six-year deal with the, that he signed with the Leafs. And he was only through one of it. Uh, the first two years had signing bonuses. So they got the Leafs to pay the second year. He's had uh, now two seasons where he hasn't been. And then for the final two years, he's got the, the bonus comes back into play. And that was when I looked at the contract, I was like, this is probably off season. They, they, they look to do it. And I am of the mind. And I feel like a lot of people think that he's untradeable, like with his contract. I don't think he is. Cause I look at defensemen that are being traded all around the league with contracts that are <clears throat> in similar categories. And, you know, he's a guy that whatever you think about him, the coach trusts him to play a lot of minutes. And that seems to be for defensemen, the overriding factor league wide as to how you value them. So if DJ Smith thinks enough to pay, play this guy in a top four position, most nights, which, which is tends to be what happened. Most coaches will agree that that's how they see him. Because then I go back to Cody Cece, it's the same thing. Like it's it's all it's all based around that. So if they if they got the the will to say, all right, we need to move on from for financial reasons or otherwise, I don't think it would be that hard to to actually make a deal. Now you're probably not getting like a ton back in return, but in terms of moving on from him, they could do that. Yeah, you don't think he's the kind of player where you need to add a sweetener for a team to take him. I don't think so. like what you probably do is have to take someone you back. Retain not, not, not like the same contract necessarily, but right. you know, take some money back 
in, in the form of a roster player. But we're so, not at the point in his contract anymore where you're like, okay, he's got four years left. Like nobody's going to take on that term. Like after this year, it's a reasonable two years left. Yeah. And, and you've, if you find a team that doesn't care about signing bonuses, because some teams do like Ottawa's mm-hmm. not the only one, but like a bunch of teams don't care. Yeah. So if you find within those groups of teams, the signing bonuses isn't going to scare them away. It's more about whether he fits on the roster and, and you know, is this cap hit work? Yes. Uh, that kind of thing. So I, I do think, uh, you know, that's a contract he could deal. I, I haven't heard anything kind of leaked out or, or sometimes you get some reports about them doing a little bit of shopping, nothing, nothing on that end. But also I feel like that's probably an off season and not a trade deadline uh, deal necessarily. What do you think the amount of moves? How busy do you think Pierre Dorian will be come trade deadline here, March 21st? I feel like he he actually will be pretty busy, but it'll be a bunch of little things, right? Yeah, like, like last I, year, just kind of seventh round pick, just seventh cleaning round pick, out the round pick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more of a roster clean out. I mean, they're not super concerned about piling up picks. He's said that a few yeah. times. Um, but at the same time, if you've got a bunch of guys you know aren't coming back, and they do, uh, on the UFA front, then you may as well deal them. Uh, they, for the remainder of the season, there's there's guys that have come back from injury now and and some guys in, in Belleville they could give some looks to. So you you have that opportunity with a bunch of games. You may as well kind of clear out the deadwood a bit to, to, uh, to start looking at what it, the roster might look like next year. Yeah, and, and Pierre Dorian has mentioned that's something he's very interested in doing is cleaning things out so that you can look at the offseason and say, here's what we got moving forward. There's not a bunch of these question marks. So, But one thing I would say is a question mark I, I kind of have, and I think a lot of fans do, we're talking about cap situations here, is Colin White's back from injury. And he's got a little bit of a, a tryout period here because he's one of the few players that has the option with the buyout rules that it's only one third buyout rule, which is a huge, huge advantage if you're the senators and you're looking at going that option. What do you think Ty, or sorry, Colin White needs to do in order to show the senators, hey, it's much more worth your while to keep me around. I know I'm getting paid Batherson money and I have a Batherson type contract and I won't produce it at that level, but here's what I can do. Don't buy me out. I think it's, I think it's hard and it's been, it's not his fault per se, but like, and especially with the injury, but even before this year started, when we knew about this, you know, kind of deadline with the contract and the buyout, like you said, this is the year they would do it. If they're going, if you don't do it this year, then you're not going to buy them out. You're just sitting with that contract the rest of the way. So, so just for people who might not know the ins and outs, so he can be bought out at one third of the cost of his contract now, but if they wait, it would be two thirds. So I just want to get that in there. Yeah, exactly. And and so he's got uh, three years left after this year, right? Yep. And, and so he's got a 15 million left to be paid to him. So if you pay him out, you only owe him 5 million if you buy him out and it's spread out over six years. So that's less than a million dollars. Like in terms of you're almost, it's, it's like an, an entry-level player that yeah. the, the value of that contract. Uh, now it's for six years, but it, it's still completely manageable. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you've divested yourself because there's no way I feel like he's untradeable. I, I, you you know, think so? That was my next question. I think so too. I, I yeah. think so too. I, I can't see a team unless he had like a really sustained period of high offensive production. Right. 
I don't know if that's in the cards for him, but let, let's say that that happens. I can't see a team saying, hey, this guy's got another three years yeah. at, 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 you know, close to a five million hit where he he's kind of shown that he's not a top six player. Uh, I don't think many teams would would, you know, slot him in there. And that's a ton to pay for a bottom six player. And if you are going to pay a bottom six player five million dollars, he better be special. In, in that area. Like he, he feels he's your, he's your Pajot or he's yeah, exactly. He's killing you know, penalties. He's playing physical. Yeah. He's yeah. doing other intangibles. Yeah. And the problem with Colin White, who I really like as a guy, and like you have to have affection for the guy. He was the guy, the first guy to step up and actually like commit to the team. Yep. Right. So there is that he's been here a long time, long as Shabbat has, he's almost one of the longest tenured guys in the team. I think next to, Paul only got only guy to play a game in that 2017 run. I'll be at two minutes. (laughs) So this is not me saying I don't like the guy. Like clearly he's loved by his teammates. He's kind of a goofy guy, (laughs) whatever, but he, uh, his game is not really suited for bottom six because he's not really strong defensively. Like that's Mm -hmm. not his game. He, He can hold his own. He's not, he's not terrible, but he's not a first penalty kill you know, guy, he's not your your top face off guy. Uh, so, and they're kind of talking about putting him on the wing, and that's that's fine. More just because uh, you know some guys have passed him, and yep. they want to find a place for him. But I don't even think he's as effective on the wing as he is at center. So, he, it's a guy that it's a luxury, right? It, it, he he can contribute, and you like to have him in your bottom six. You're like, hey, if, if things happen and we can need to elevate someone in the lineup, there's a guy we can pick. We, we can depend on him a certain amount. But that the contract is, I don't think, ever going to dictate that um, you're getting good value from him. And this is, this is a chance for you to walk away from that contract almost in entirety because if you don't and then you decide – Ah, that's that's we're getting squeezed here and, and he's not providing value. No, if you if you try and trade him, someone's gonna say, Well, here's my Colin White. <laughs> you can have him in return, right? Yep. And that doesn't really help. That and then you're just uh, you know, swapping problems. So uh, I think they gotta look at I don't know what honestly he could do the rest of this this year. What'll happen, I feel like we're right in the midst of his his first few games, he'll get an adrenaline rush, right? Like when they come back from a long-term injury. You kind of get that. You run on adrenaline. Two points in two games. Exactly. Not well, three now, but nobody I'll be interested to see at game, at game 15, game 20, where where, where he's he's at, because that's sort of a better measure of, you know, what you might uh, see from him. And then, I don't know, with a long-term injury, it's just, it's a lot to ask for someone to come yeah. back and, and be up to full speed with everyone else for a long, sustained period. Yeah, the only name, and this would be ironic just based on the fact that they got the pick from them, but Don Granato, the head coach in Buffalo, is his coach at the junior program, speaks super highly of them. And his teammate there, we love these little connections, Alex Tuck with Boston College. So I don't <laughs> yep. know. And a team where they're not, no team who's contending is going to be like, oh, I got to add Colin White. But maybe if they see a project in him and they're like, no, I, we can use him in a top six role and we have space in our top six to give him that runway. Maybe it's a little bit of a premature evaluation, but final thing from us, Tyler, and we want to touch on the Belleville Sens who obviously are fighting for their playoff lives. Although they've won seven of their last 10 games, but they've got this certain defenseman who's over a point per game. Like what, where are you at with the Michael Delzato saga? Of course we didn't mention him in the UFA discussion because he's got another year left <laughs> at $2 million. So what's going to happen with him? That's a weird one because I could see a team 
looking at what he's doing there and say, Hey, maybe he'll work out for us. And uh, mm. like the, the 2 million next year is the big kicker. Um, if he was a rental, I'd say they'd have no problem getting him off the, the books. He clearly doesn't want to be in here. They don't seem to want him here. So I'm sure they're, they're burning up the phone lines trying to see if anyone's interested in, in him at the, at the deadline. And then if not, then they probably buy him out. He's actually making more money next year too. 1.75 yeah. this year, 2.25 next year. Yeah. So I think they'll try as hard as they can to find a place for him to see if someone will take that money off their hands. And if not, like it's best for both parties, but he can stay in Belleville for the rest. Like it looks like it's been a, a great addition. If, if they yeah. can. Yeah. He's a big part of that team and their success. Yeah. yeah. So where do you think that went wrong? Because he's been an offensive minded defenseman his whole career. And then it seemed like the senators typecasted him to be this defensive stalwart. And it just was never going to work. It's one of those things where I think, if you don't make a good first impression on DJ, then uh, you're in, you're in a tough space. Because I I look at like Alex Galchenyuk same way. Like mm-hmm. came in, the played a few games. Coach like I, it's not gonna work. And yeah. you, yeah. And they kind of just wipe their hands and say that that's it. Like they'll you'll hang around. Those thought it was a healthy scratch for a while, and and then they just said, well. You know, now we got to get out. And I, some of that, I think, is like, you made us look bad <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with uh, us, you know, the expectations we we had for you. And I think they're unfair expectations because, yeah, he's, he's not that player. I don't know why you thought he was, but uh, he can contribute in certain ways, but not as a top four defenseman in, in mm-hmm. the NHL. So, uh, yeah, I just feel like both parties want to move on fr- from that. And, and you know, at least he's helping out Belleville. Like, there's there's some value in, in, in that uh, currently anyways, instead of sulking up in, in the NHL roster. Well, Belleville has a big back-to-back against Aaron Dell and the Rochester Americans are going to be following along with that and always following along with at Tyler Ray, or sorry, Tyler Ray at Defense Minister on Twitter, so you can go follow him there. Tyler, always appreciate your insight. We'll do it again down the road for sure. Appreciate it, guys. Stick taps to Tyler for joining us. Really appreciate him jumping on. Always has great insight. And if you want to use the insight that you get from Locked On Senators to try to make a few bucks or fade us, go to betonline.net. Betonline.net. They have everything you need from the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and more. Go see it for yourself at betonline.net. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just one sport, it's all sports. Your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, basketball, everything you need is right there. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's betonline.net, where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. Well, the games are coming fast and furious. I mentioned off the top, the Ottawa Senators with three wins. In their last 11 games, certainly not the the percentage points they were clicking at earlier on. Of course, you can blame injuries if you want, sure. But I feel like on a day like today, we need a little levity to come out. So I'm going to pull up a little positivity after I get an opinion from you. What would be a successful weekend for Ottawa here going up in Arizona in Vegas? Well, they got to beat Arizona. Like they need, you can say, look, they've had injuries, the stomach flu, all this kind of stuff. They're up against contending teams on the road, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many excuses. But now you're playing an Arizona team that if if they're not rebuilding, I don't know what rebuilding is. The toilet bowl, as said by Paul Bissonette on this show. Yeah. 
I mean, a little bit, definitely. That's uh, that's hard to avoid there. But you need to be like, okay, we were down and out, and these big teams beat up on us. Poor us. But we're going to Arizona. This is a team that we have so much more firepower than, so much uh, better goaltending than. Like, we need to be able to beat this team just for a morale boost. Like, you cannot let this stretch of losing keep on going on. You got Josh Norris back. I expect they'll get a lot more power play time than they did in last night's game. That's for damn sure. And hopefully, whether it's Matt Murray or Forsberg, they can shut the door and you can get like a nice, like a three nothing win for the Sens would be just a great morale boost. And then you head off to Vegas and sure Vegas isn't doing so hot right now either, but I can tell you from personal experience, going to that Vegas barn is quite a different experience and it's pretty intimidating and they still got a lot of firepower there in Vegas, even if maybe they're not having the most success recently. So I think you need to get that easy, nice W in Arizona and then see what you can do up against Vegas. Yeah. It's pretty um, contrasting going to play in Arizona, which is going to be a pretty empty arena and then going into Vegas. Now Vegas just lost to Arizona last week though. So Vegas is struggling right mm-hmm. now. You go back to that 6 nothing loss to Calgary. They're 2-5-1 in their last eight games. So do with that information what you may. But who do you start in which game between Matt Murray and Anton Forsberg? And we got a really funny comment. My mom chimed in on our YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, good, good point. Exactly. Good. Good perspective. My mom mentioning that when you've got a, a newborn at home, like you don't get much sleep. So maybe it's best, you know, go easy. Now, mom, they're on the road, so not directly there, but I'm sure he's <laughs> FaceTiming all the time and, and doing all that. So, no, it was a good point. Good perspective. Way to go, mom. But who do you start this weekend in which game? I'm assuming they each play one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Matt Murray doesn't play back-to-back. Yes. I was just going to say, we don't have to get into that. But just quickly before we get into that, though, Ross, Aren't you happy Forsberg played that game? Like, if Matt yeah. Murray plays that game, that's not good. That's a, There's a lot of physical contact in the crease, yep. getting peppered by shots. Like, so I, I think I'm comfortable in saying that was the right decision to play Forsberg in that game, and it worked yep. out great. Fair. So Fair. I think you get Matt Murray in the Arizona game. Like, give him a nice softball, something that he should be able to handle, and then keep showcasing Forsberg up against these playoff contending teams so other playoff contending teams can be like hey it's not like they're just giving Forsberg the easy matchups and he's just feasting off them and that's what's boosting his numbers here he's getting the tough matchups in second halves of back-to-backs and still able to shut the door like I I really think this is showcase season for Forsberg and to give Matt Murray the Arizona game and then he can head into next week uh, playing a little bit more often I think makes a whole lot of sense and Forsberg deserves a night off quickly here after that one like Yeah, no question. I'll agree with you on that one. Any other lineup changes that you'd like to see? I mean, Adam Gaudet was out of the lineup uh, in his in his last meeting there. What uh, what would you hope to see in uh, in terms of lineup for for Saturday? And I guess then Sunday would to be decided afterwards. You know what? I think in this scenario, throw Mete in for Branson for one of these games, whether it's the first Ooh. one or the second one. Just like spicy. It's we've seen it from Branson. He's frustrated. He's taking bad penalties. He's getting beat. Uh, his ice time's going down. Like, I just think, just give him a break here. Give him one break. Let Mete get back in there. We've already said it. They're f- so similar players, it's not even funny. So you're not really ch- moving the needle too much one way or another. And so you, you get some fresh legs. You get some fresh legs for a back-to-back. So that would be one thing I would look at. Whether it's against Arizona or against Vegas, I don't think really matters that much. But 
I think that's the only thing I would really do there, Ross. Like, sure, it'd be nice to get Gaudet back in, but I don't know who you take out at that point because I've loved Parker Kelly's game. Uh, you want to keep showcasing Sanford. I thought Tyler Ennis is, is still playing well. How about that hit on Brandon Montour? That was absolutely legendary from Tyler Ennis. Best to lace him up. So I don't, I don't see a spot where you need to get Gaudet in for someone else. So, yeah, not too many changes. A reminder, it's a 4 p.m. Eastern game in Arizona tomorrow. The Senators with 19 wins, the Coyotes with 15. If you add their both wins up, you've got the same amount of wins as the Florida Panthers who beat the Ottawa Senators <laughs> last night. Yikes. Let that sink in. Yeah. But the Ottawa Senators just lost to Montreal last week too. And Montreal jumped Arizona in the locked-on power rankings so that Arizona's now last. So... All bets are off, but it will be nice to not see plus 325 next to the odds when the Senators take on the Coyotes tomorrow. We'll be following along for all that and more. Stay locked on Senators all weekend long at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. And big week coming up next week. I mentioned before, I'm going to be in the booth next Friday and Saturday for the Belleville Senators in Manitoba. And we've got a couple interviews that we're working on as well. So hopefully those work out and we can bring you that on our youtube channel in case you're in a craving mode for some interviews you can go back i think we've got upwards of 30 interviews in a playlist here on our youtube channel so you can go check that out and i promise to send us off with a little levity a little positivity going into the weekend how great is it to see drake batherson and shane pinto on the way to the arena there this courtesy of drake batherson's instagram and safety first pinner driving with the helmet on Hey, I mean, when you've got an injury, I don't have a problem with that at all. Let's keep Shane Pinto in a bubble so that he's ready to go this season. Now, some people noticing on Twitter, they're wearing black and red. No yellow, as we know, the no contact. But hate to burst the bubble when the boys are out of town. I don't think they have to worry about contact here when they're not skating with the full team. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. So we won't have to assume that they're going to be closer to returning, but it is great to see the old dress and drive baby from Drake Batherson, man. Just a vibe that he brings around the rink each and every day. You got to assume the team misses that on the road and on the ice. So the Ottawa Senators fall three, nothing shutout loss. Again, if you want more from that game, we've got it for you on the postcast available, wherever you download your locked on senators podcast, please subscribe to the show on YouTube and follow us on social media for today though we say goodbye have a great weekend we'll chat in the postcast tomorrow again we'll be live about 10 minutes after the game for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day